In Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7, we have a portion of the Bible that has commonly become known as the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus stood and taught a vast crowd of people. And at the end of quite a long sermon, Jesus urged those who'd been listening not to go away and just forget about all the things that he'd said. Now, I wonder what measure you use to decide whether a talk or a sermon has been a good one. How do you judge it? It's very easy to conclude that you have just heard a good talk or sermon, but what difference is it going to make to you and in you tomorrow, next week, next year, for the rest of your life? Or was it just a good sermon? The best sermons are not the ones you agree with. Now that might be a good sermon, but they're not the best ones. The best sermons are not the ones you found interesting. It may be a good one, but that's not the best one. The best sermons are not those that you found easy to listen to or gripping. Now, they might be good sermons, but they're not the best ones. The best ones are those which God uses to actually bring about his change within you. They're the best ones. Because the word of God has actually done its work. It's done what God intended it to do. It's been used so that his truth has changed you. It doesn't matter how good you think a sermon or a talk has been, if it does nothing to change you. The best sermons are those which bring about in you a change in your understanding about the Bible, about God and his word. A change in your behavior. A change in your conviction and zeal. A change in your love for Christ. A change in repentance and in the putting off of sins. And a change in pursuing righteousness and godliness. They're the best sermons. And actually, the sermon that does that for you may not have been ranked as a particularly good one by other people. But for you, it's the best one. Because it, I can't explain it, but it did something to me. Changed me. And that is why at the end of that long sermon that Jesus had given, in which he covered many, many topics and themes, that's why he said this, whoever hears these sayings of mine and agrees with them, no, whoever hears these sayings with mine and liked them, 
No. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house on a rock. But whoever hears my words and does not do them, he is a fool who is building his house on sand. Let's think about that that Jesus said right at the end of his sermon. Jesus talks about these two people who each build a house. But the detail which Jesus focuses upon is what the houses are built on. All houses have something very important that most people usually never see. Hidden underneath the house is something that you have to get right. Because if you don't, before too long, things will go terribly wrong. Barry's got a big smile on his face. He knows all about this. Do you children know what, what I'm talking about? Good. Let's have the first slide up, Joshua. There is someone somewhere in the world preparing to build. But here's the most important thing that every builder learns. Foundations come first. That right, Barry? Foundations come first. No one is going to see it. They're long forgotten about. But you have to get it right. You've got to get the foundations right before you start to build. And we've been talking about standing firm, but you need to make sure you're standing on solid ground. Every building needs a solid base that isn't going to move. For many years... Uh, whenever we were driving to Southport, we'd go in a way that took us on the, joined up with the road that runs in from Ormskirk. And as you drove in towards the outskirts of Southport to a place called Kew, as you approached on the left-hand side of the road, there was a row of houses and they all looked like this. That was the worst of them. But there were several. Can you see it? We looked at the leaning tower of Pisa on Friday. This is the leaning house of Q. It's since been knocked down before it fell down. You see, the land that it had been built on around there is very wet and boggy. And the foundations that that house had been built on simply were not good enough. Jesus said that building your life is like building a house. It needs to be built on something solid that will not move, that will not give way underneath you. It needs to be built on rock. Here's a house that's surrounded by water. Do you think that house is going to fall down? Even though it's surrounded by water? Naaman's shaking his head. Why not, Naaman? It's built on a rock. It's
It's surrounded by water, but that's not going to trouble this house. It's built on rock. And it is rock. Yeah. But here's a house that was built on sand. Whoops. Those steps are where the house used to be. See how far it's moved? Now, if you look carefully, you can see that perhaps they did try and get it right. It looks like there are things that look like wooden piles on that left-hand side there. So perhaps they did try to get it right, but they didn't go deep enough. They didn't go down and find solid ground that that house could stand on. And building on sand is a very dangerous thing to do. Jesus said, build your house, build your life on rock. And Jesus said, to build on rock, you need to do two things. You need to, you need to hear his words and do them. They are the words of Jesus. I'm not inventing this myself. He said it. Listen to my words and do them. You might hear what Jesus is saying. And you might agree with it. But that is not enough. You have to do it. It needs to change you. The things that Jesus said and taught are more than heartwarming thoughts and ideas to make you feel good. And if the words of Jesus are only that to you, then you've completely misread him. If the words of Jesus that you hear simply make you feel good, but they've never changed you, then your life is built on sand, says Jesus. The things that Jesus said and taught are, as the disciples declared, these are the words of eternal life. These are the things on which things will last forever. That's wonderful to know. You see, the words of Jesus are meant to change you. And the words of Jesus will keep you. And the promise by Jesus is that when you act upon what he says, your life will have a solid foundation that will never ever fail. And it will be able to withstand all the sorrows and the troubles that will come your way. Now that house that we saw built on that rock surrounded by water, that was a lovely calm day. I'm sure there's probably days when the water's beating against that house. And you know, Jesus doesn't say, build your house on rock so that the storm never comes. Jesus said, build your house on the rock because the storms are surely coming. You'll have all kinds of sorrows and troubles and difficulties in your life because it's a sinful world we live in. But those storms will never be able to knock you down if you're built on rock. You'll survive the storms. That's his promise to every single one of us, young and old and older. It's the testimony of many of you. Oh, some of you have been through some storms. But they've never been able to knock you down. Christ has held you secure. 
many of you could share with us such extreme heartaches that you've been through. Jesus didn't say, build your house on this rock and the storm won't come. But he promised that you will survive the storm and you will not be washed away in the storm. That's his promise. So when Jesus says, hear my words and do them, here's a question. What are his words? What are his words that we are meant to do? Well, of course, Jesus said very many things. Far too many for us to think about all of them this morning. At the time that Jesus was speaking, those words, as, as I've said, they came at the end of a long uh, portion of teaching. Three whole chapters in Matthew's Gospel. And those words that he gave about hearing my words and do them, well, certainly he was talking about those words that he's just said. And he was talking mainly about the kind of lives that we should live if we belong to God. That's, that's the main thrust of the Sermon on the Mount. The kind of person you need to be if you are God's child, because you are God's child. And as well as the words that he spoke then, when he walked this world as a man, we also believe that if Jesus is God, which he is, and if the Bible is the word of God, which it is, then all of this book, the Bible, is Christ's words. The whole book is Christ's words. And of course, John in his gospel uses the name word for Jesus himself. He is the word. He was the living word, but he is also the word. So what can I possibly choose out of all the things that Jesus said in his earthly ministry, and of all the things that are written in this book, which is Christ's word, what on earth can I bring you this morning? That's the question that I was thinking over the last few weeks. Of all of those things, what do I mention? Well, I came up with three. Out of all of those things, let me bring you a summary this morning of the most important things that Jesus said. Let me bring you this morning those words of Christ which are the starting point. And let me bring you those words which really summarize what the rest of this foundation is all about. So we've got three things to go through. The words of Christ that we must do. Number one, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now, there's quite a few verses from the Bible going to come up. We're not going to spend loads of time on each verse. What I want to do is show you that the words of Jesus were repent and believe. And that is the starting point for the foundation that you need to build your life on. Repent and believe. The words of Christ. The time is fulfilled. 
The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. They're his words. They demand a response. There's something you must do with them. You can't just say, that sounds great. Something has to be done. Luke 13. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Something needs to be done. Mark 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. The words of Jesus demand that we do something with them. You can't listen to words like that and just walk away and say, that was great. And off you go. And do nothing with those words. John chapter 3 contains some of the most famous words that Jesus ever said. Listen to how many times Jesus uses the word believe. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's talking about his crucifixion on the cross. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. The thing that condemns you is your unbelief in Christ. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Repent and believe. Here are words of Jesus that you must hear and that you must do. These words demand a response from you. Now it's interesting in one of David's talks, we were in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. What did we read there in verse 13? I mentioned to David that what he said dovetails nicely into this message this morning. You've been chosen for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. You must believe. Something you must do. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? In churches like ours, and we thank God that there's, there's lots of churches like ours in terms of teaching the truth from the Bible. In churches like ours, you'll often hear this said. There is nothing that you can do to contribute to your salvation. And that is absolutely true. There is nothing that you can do to contribute to your salvation because the Lord Jesus Christ has done it all. He has done everything that you need for your salvation. But actually, that does not mean that there is nothing for you to do. There is one thing for you to do. Repent and believe. 
You must repent and believe. You need the salvation is described in the Bible as a gift from God. And the gift is complete. But you must take it and receive it for yourself. We do that, as we read in 2 Thessalonians 2, by the Spirit. And we do it in faith. And we take hold of that which God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can contribute to our actual salvation but that does not mean that there is nothing for you to do. You do need to repent and you do need to believe. These are the words of Jesus, repent and believe. And he says, if you will do it, you will be like a house built on rock. Isn't that wonderful to know? I wonder, do you have that assurance this morning that these simple words that Jesus gives us Turn away from your sins and look to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is to repent. And then believe on him. Believe that he's the one who died for you at Calvary. Believe that he is the one who three days later rose from the dead. He is the one who still now is alive and one day will return. Believe in him, says Jesus. Something you must do. And if there's anyone here this morning who's never done this, we'd urge you to consider these things that you must do in order that your life is built on rock and not upon sand. The words of Jesus are that if you fail to do what he is saying, you remain in your sin, you remain condemned, and your life is on sand and the storm will come and wash you away. But you can be in a place where you will remain firm. Foundations come first. Is your life built on this foundation? Number two. Love Jesus and obey him. Love Jesus and obey him. People came to Jesus once and quizzed him. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus very happily, very gladly went back into the Old Testament. The Old Testament hasn't disappeared just because Jesus has come, you know. He took them back there. Here's the greatest commandment that you'll ever hear, says Jesus. The first of all the commandments Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. This, says Jesus, is the first commandment. Love the Lord your God. And Jesus is God. Love him. Now, if you're someone who's repented and turned away from your sins... If you're someone who's put all your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, how can you not love him who first loved you? And loving him, how can you not obey him? How can you not now serve him as your Lord and your King and your Savior? And Jesus said in John chapter 14, 
in three different verses. Listen. If you love me. He puts this to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's not a question of keeping my commandments so that you'll be okay. It's not a question of keep my commandments so that I will consider you to be all right. We only become all right by repenting and believing. But if you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. You see, the outflowing of our love for Christ is to keep his commandments. And it's our love for him that drives us to keep his commandments. We love him. We want to please him. We want to live lives that honor him. There's only one way to do that. And that's to live in obedience to him. And Jesus says, he who loves me will be loved by my father. God the father takes the greatest delight in those of his children who listen to Christ and who obey Christ. Here's the Christian believer, and they love his son, and they're following his son, and they're serving Christ. What joy that brings to the father's heart, to see his children living like that, obedient to his son. And Jesus says, and I will love him, and manifest myself to him. That one who loves and obeys Christ will continue to know fellowship and communion with Christ in increasing measure, more and more and more. Do you want to grow in your communion and fellowship with Christ? Love him and obey him, and it will grow and grow. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. It's the mark of one who loves Christ, to keep Christ's word. You don't keep Christ's word? Do you really love him? My father will love him. And here's a great promise. We will come to him, make our home with him. And it's all about this fellowship and communion and union with Christ. That we, this is the foundation for our lives, you see. Living united to the Lord Jesus Christ in love and fellowship and obedience. This is the foundation, which is the rock, which will never be shaken. The love that God has for you, the love that you have for God, it will never let you down. He who hears my words and does them, says Jesus, your life is built on a rock. Third thing, love others, even your enemies. And this links into many of the things we were thinking about yesterday. There'll be many who oppose us. Now, you younger children at school, you stand up amongst your friends at school and you tell them that you love Jesus. You tell them that you've repented of your sins and you believe in him. Some of them will give you a rough time. They will. But love them. 
because the grace of God that comes into your life is such that you can and you will love them. What, even the ones that are nasty to me and say horrible things to me? Yes, even them. Love them. And those of you in work, and you're finding that all the regulations over equality and diversity and all the things to do with gender that are creeping in, well, they're not creeping in, they're flooding in. And it will feel like everything is militating against you. How does the Christian respond? By getting angry and bitter and twisted and saying, this shouldn't be happening to someone like me. I'm worth more than this. No, you're not. Love, grace. Bless those who persecute you. It's all, in, it's all in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has just preached and concluded by saying, hear my words and do them. When Jesus said, love your enemies, that's just not a platitude to make you feel warm and cuddly on the inside, you know. He actually expects you to do it. Because he knows that if you are truly in Christ, you can. Because you have his grace within you. You have his spirit within you. In order that you can stand and be the kind of Christian that you're meant to be. And be the kind of follower of Christ that you're meant to be. Because God's word is powerful as well. And it brings to us by the Holy Spirit his grace and his power. And so Jesus can say, well, I've told you what the first commandment is. Here's the second commandment. And of course, these are summaries of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. No one can tell you anything that trumps those two commandments. Number one, love God with every fiber of your being. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself there is nothing that anyone outside there in the world can tell you that trumps those two things Jesus said they are the two greatest commandments you will ever hear anywhere and in me you can do them John 15 this is my commandment now Jesus doesn't say Here's a suggestion you might like to try. Jesus doesn't say, here's something that might work. Jesus doesn't say, have you ever thought of trying this? These are the words of Christ. This is my commandment. Now, if you were in the army and an officer gave you a command, you would know what to do with it. And you would know what happened if you refused it. Well, that's the kind of language Jesus is using. This is my commandment to you. You see, as Christians, there are things that we must do if we're in Christ. But it's not, oh, I suppose if I must. You love him. He's your savior. He's your master. He's your Lord. Of course I'll do it. Of course I'll do it. Love one another as I've loved you. 
And it's important, isn't it, that bit? Remember how Christ has loved you. Remember what it cost him to love you. Remember how he's humbled himself in order to love you. Love sometimes can be costly. Love requires us to humble ourselves and make, us, make ourselves of nothing. Like we saw in Philippians 2, to esteem others better than yourself. These are the words of Christ. Even to be ready to lay down your life for others. Why? Well, he lay his life down for you. Are you better than him? Am I? Love others. Even your enemies. Luke chapter 6. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Now love is not a passive thing. Love is an active thing. Love is something that you do. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Do them good. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Now that's not a nice place to be. When people curse you. Simply because you belong to Christ. When, pe when people are spiteful, nasty, malicious against Christians. And we hear that kind of language today over and over again. Just because you belong to Christ. How are we to respond? Bless them. Pray for them. The heart of a true believer can. And the heart of a true believer does. Because you're in Christ. And this is the foundation that he has built you on. Through his word and by his Holy Spirit. Well, there's so much more that Jesus said. But we've heard from him those things which lie right at the very center of building your life on the rock and not on sand. Those things which lie right at the very heart of what it means to actually be a Christian. Those things which lie at the very heart of what it means to be one of his disciples because disciples are followers. I'm following the king. It's not I'm singing a nice song about the king. It's not I'm singing an exciting song about the king. I'm me following the king. Are you? I'm ready to obey as I listen to his word. Are we? Jesus said, repent of your sins and believe in him. Have you done it? Jesus said, love him. The proof of which is that you keep his commandments. Are you? Jesus said, love others. Even your enemies and those who want to hurt you and do you harm. And in him, amazingly, you can.
build your life on the rock. Don't just hear the words of Jesus. Do them. Well, by his grace, might he enable us to know these truths and to live them out to his glory day by day.